welcome back to Remote Life. My name is Han Talbot, also known as Han Meets World, and today we'll be chatting with Danny Lee. Based in Spain, Danny is the blogger behind Travelling Jezebel that inspires others to explore the lesser-known areas of the world. She has also recently launched a new website dedicated to anti-MLM content called Not Your Boss Babe. In this episode, we talk about finding work as a remote lifer, why Valencia should be on the remote lifer list, and alternatives to MLM schemes. So grab a coffee, a tea, or something stronger, and let's get started. So Danny, thank you so much for being on the Remote Life podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's, it's only my second podcast that I've ever done, so I'm really scared. You're going to do but amazing. So to dive straight in, tell us a bit about your story and why you decided to start slow traveling. So I didn't intentionally start slow traveling. I didn't. I wasn't aware of the term. I didn't do it kind of for the environment or over tourism or anything like that. I just knew that I wanted to travel all the way through even high school. So then as soon as I finished uni, I went on a trip with some friends, but it was four weeks in Thailand. It was nothing really. So then we came back and none of my other friends wanted to travel or they couldn't travel because they didn't have enough money saved and stuff. So I was just like, okay, I've got to do this on my own then, I guess. So I went to, I went to Bali and then after a month I flew to Cambodia and then ended up spending a year there that wasn't planned. Um, I just fell in love with it and got a job in a hostel and stayed there for a year. And then I met all of these other backpackers that were doing the same thing, just moving around from hostel to hostel and kind of volunteering and living and traveling that way. So that's what introduced me to the fact that you could do it long term and you didn't necessarily need like a ton of money in the bank and stuff like that. So that's what I've done for the past, before the pandemic, I think, probably about five years. That's what I was doing, kind of living in one place for a few months, but volunteering in hostels and stuff and then moving on a little bit. So yeah. And then obviously the pandemic changed everything, but yeah. Nice. Yeah. So one question that um, people asked me on Twitter was, um, do you have any kind of specific, obviously you you joined the dots kind of by working while you were traveling, but obviously in the pandemic, for example, did you already have some clients in the background or... Like, was that something that you started doing because of the pandemic? I was always doing a little bit of freelance work. I wasn't properly active with it, but I would do like bits here and there. And then I was just building the blog. I actually monetized that in January 2020. So, which was obviously a terrible time for travel blogging. But luckily, mine didn't take too much of a hit with traffic because I had some other articles on different topics. So I was making a little bit of money with that. Not a lot, but enough to survive. Um, Then. I wasn't paying rent for some of it because I lived with my parents for a few months. So that allowed me to obviously just focus on the blog as well. So yeah, I'm still in that phase where I'm still doing a tiny little bit of freelance work, but for the most part, I'm just working on the blog and trying to grow that. Mm. And again, I'm not making enough money. I'm not saving any money or anything, but I'm making just enough kind of thing. No, that's cool. So talk to us a little bit more about Jezebel Travels. Like, What's the kind of, is there a mission? Do you have an aim? Like what kind of stuff do you tend to write about? So I write about European travel, specifically more like off the beaten path places in Europe mainly. So I have a lot of stuff on like the Balkans, Eastern Europe, with kind of a focus on like food and wine and stuff like that. I'm not I'm not an adventure traveler. I don't do I don't do like extreme sports or anything like that. And then I also started so in the pandemic I pivoted a bit to anti-MLM content, uh, multi-level marketing pyramid schemes stuff like that so I started actually writing about that on the travel blog which doesn't really go like the two topics don't really go together obviously but that picked up a ton of traffic that was the majority of my traffic during the pandemic so then recently at the start of December I created a new site which is about just that it's about anti-MLM kind of 
warning people about the dangers of network marketing and comparing them to pyramid schemes and stuff. So I've now I've separated the two sites. So I'm going to have just one travel and then one about that. Yeah, I definitely got a few more DMs about that sort of business building, let's call it that, <laughs> where kind of people were trying to pivot a lot in the pandemic. What would you advise people to go for instead, like on the affiliate travel side of things? Or do you have any advice on that kind of thing, like what they maybe could go for? Do you mean instead of joining one of these MLM companies? Yeah, so like I know, again, I'm personally, I... I can't speak from experience. I'm sure there are some people who have potentially made some money on it, but I know Mm. there's a lot of, well, I'll let people go read your blogs and bits and pieces on it. But I know that also there are other ways that you can focus on booking and getting a little bit of money from that. So from an affiliate side of things. So are there any potential sites that you use for affiliate travels kind of thing? I just think if the people that have the skills to make it in that world, so say they're good at social media, they're good at blogging and all of that stuff, I think that they should just channel it into regular affiliate marketing as opposed to joining one of these kind of tiered companies where the commission structure is floating up to the top. So yeah, there are t- I'm only just getting into affiliate marketing probably about five, six months ago. I actually started taking it seriously. So I'm just learning myself. But yeah, obviously as a travel blogger, so I'm an affiliate with Booking.com, for example, Hostel World. Um, like I use um, Travel Payouts, mm-hmm. which is like the like a directory of all of these travel affiliate sites. So yeah, I'm partnered with them. But whatever niche, I mean, I know a lot of people, for example, that join these MLMs are into beauty and fashion and skincare and health and stuff. And I think that if you've got the skills on social media and you want to create a blog, then there is so there's an affiliate for everything, mm-hmm. isn't there? So I think that they could partner with whoever they wanted and then make commission that way. But obviously it's not easy, I think is the biggest misconception. Like I've been trying so hard with affiliate marketing for six months and I'm making a little bit of money, but not, you know, not even enough to pay my rent right now. So yeah, I think it's, it's quite difficult to, (laughs) to get going with it. That makes total sense. I was going to ask though, so have you tried, because I I know some companies, obviously, yes, as you said, like there are a lot of companies now that do do affiliates. Have you tried at all asking for affiliates even that might not have been obvious? I did once and they gave me a link and then I didn't make any sales. (laughs) 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 Um, So what would your kind of like top, I suppose, piece of advice be for trying to then channel as someone who's only been doing it for as you said six months is there anything that you would advise specifically about doing affiliate marketing and like what's been one of your biggest learnings I think the biggest takeaway for me is that when I first started I was literally just putting affiliate links like every article that I had I would think okay if I'm talking about train travel I can put a link to a train booking company whatever and that's all great but they were all very like low ticket sales so sure someone might make a booking but I'm going to make 50 cents so that's not really a quick way to make money and also I was just putting them in existing articles so if I'm writing about things to do in Valencia maybe people are not in that place where they're going to book a train or something they're just looking for things to do right they're already there so I think what I personally have learned is that I will tailor the articles now specifically to that so the best hotels in whatever and also try and pick higher ticket affiliate sales because um I listened to Leanne's talk at Traverse and she was saying it's so much easier to sell one thing and get kind of 
I don't know, 10 or 20 pounds commission, then try and sell a hundred things and get the same amount of commission, which I think is like Amazon specifically, their commission rates are horrible. I sold so far this month, I've sold three things uh, on Amazon and I've made 47p. So like, so I'm like, whereas then I sold like, um, not sold, but someone joined up to SiteGround web hosting mm-hmm. through my link and I made 30 pounds just on that one sale. So that was so much easier to get than obviously the three the three Amazon sales. So I'm crapping again. Yay. <laughs> hey, a sale is a sale. Like, we've just got to keep that going. <laughs> also, shout out to Leanne for from Passive Income Superstars. She is wonderful. And yeah, 100% go check out her courses on Passive Income. Side note. <laughs> Let's bring it back to kind of more the travel side of things. That's got very techy very quickly. Why Valencia? Why And why should others consider Valencia as their kind of slow travel destination? So it was a bit of an accident. Basically, my during the pandemic, my parents actually moved to a little town called Oliva. It's like about an hour away from Valencia. So last year in 2020, at the end of 2020, I came over here in November to stay with them. And I was going to stay for maybe two months or something like that. My boyfriend had gone home to Ireland to his parents. So I came to Spain to mine. And then the plan was to hopefully just keep traveling in 2021, which obviously that didn't happen. And then I was mindful as well about the fact that because Brexit came into effect. So I had from January, I had 90 days in the Schengen zone. So I was like, oh my God, I have to get residency somewhere. And then we just kind of thought, okay, sod it. Like, let's, let's just choose Valencia and stay there for a year. And then if we hate it, we'll go somewhere else. So we did. We literally just, I'd never even been. We just went to look at apartments one day, saw one and we liked it and we picked it. And we couldn't even, we spent the night in Valencia, but it was, it was lockdown. So there was a curfew of 8 p.m. Bars, restaurants weren't open. So we didn't actually see any of it at all, but then moved here in June and fell in love with it. And I just think, I think it's amazing. I think my estate agent told me when he was showing us around, he said that it's got the bohemian kind of crazy fun side that Barcelona's got but then it's also if you're in business or if you just like that city lifestyle it's got all of that similar to Madrid he said it's for him it's in the middle of the two but really cheap (laughs) compared to those places so I think yeah I think it's got everything you know it's got a beach it's got a really quirky kind of cool little nightlife scene it's there's a lot of digital nomads here which is really good obviously so yeah yeah no I really liked your um suggestion for using the Santander work cafe that was such Mm. a good shout but one of my favorite things when I was walking through the town was seeing like all the kind of business people stood outside a coffee shop having their like Mm. little you know morning coffees that were like I think I walked past them at like half eight in the morning and there was a bunch of them there walked back Mm. again because I was only allowed like two hours in the work cafe and it was still there having morning coffee and I was like yes this is like a bit of like city life but also coupled with that kind of relaxed yeah but like yeah it was amazing so what did your kind of typical work week look like for you then so sometimes I will go to the Santander cafe for the most part I just work from home so yeah I've just got a little kind of office set up in the living room that my boyfriend is currently taking over um (laughs) But yeah, so I just work, I kind of start, I'm just trying to write as many articles as possible right now, especially because I've started my second site. So I'm really trying to get as much content on that as possible. So I try and do kind of 
three articles for the travel blog and and maybe two articles for the other one per week. If I can do more, then I'll do more. But that's mainly what I'm doing. And then going back and changing old posts, like updating them, tweaking them to make them better and stuff like that. So that's pretty much it. I don't really focus a lot on kind of Pinterest and social media and stuff. I just do more SEO. So obviously, like making them nice for Google. (laughs) Now, SEO and uh, user experience seem to be two huge things for people to look at for this year, for sure. So do you spend a a lot of time kind of you mentioned there were um, digital nomads in Valencia. Do you spend a lot of time like kind of with the community or networking? So there are, yeah, I have done so. So I haven't been to this thing in a while, but basically every, I think it's every other Thursday, there's a meetup for specifically digital nomads and they'll just meet in a bar. It's a casual kind of drinks setting, but that's really cool. And then there are other various, so Telegram's really big here. I don't know if people use that in England that much, but there are tons of Telegram groups about this. So, for example, I'm in one called uh, Valencia Content Creators, mm-hmm. and I've met with them a couple of times. So we'll meet kind of in the park or in a bar or whatever, and just it's all different kinds of content creators. So we can brainstorm. So like I can help people with a bit of SEO or blog post writing, and then there are everything. There are people that do branding. There are people that do video, music, podcasts, all of that stuff. So it's kind of a nice, I think, they meet every two weeks, but it only just started before Christmas, so it's just getting going. But yeah, there are tons of opportunities to to meet people like that. Yeah, it sounds amazing. It sounds like a really nice little network. And of course, it's Spain, so of course everyone meets at the bar or in the park. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> <right>. <laughs> just when I was telling you, then I was like, okay, this one meets in a bar. Like, oh, so does this one. Like, <laughs> but it's not like bar like we traditionally know bars it's like such a different connotation i feel when you go to like spain for these kind of things me justifying that so why should other people choose valencia as their destination do you think i think first of all it's super affordable um really if like rent and living expenses and stuff is i mean i for my apartment i it's right in the tourist center it's in el carmen so it's like the kind of most expensive neighborhood and it's a quite big apartment and i pay like we both pay 650 euros a month so it's a lot cheaper than I'm from Manchester for example it's a lot cheaper than there and like eating out and drinking is super cheap so that's good and then again there are lots and lots of international people there are lots of co-working spaces but not too much that it doesn't still feel Spanish I think that's what I like about it there's not actually that many tourists that come here and not that many expats but there are definitely enough that you've always got people that kind of speak your language or people that you can ask for help and meet up and network with so yeah I think I think it's going to blow up in the next few years and I think now is probably the time to come here because it is in that kind of transition phase I feel like yeah I don't know I'm making that up but (laughs) no no, I do know what I get you when I arrived I was like why is this not talked about more like even just Mm. spending a week there I was like yeah this has this kind of hint of like this is not talked about enough but I can completely get your point of like, I could almost see it starting to become more of a thing, especially like mm. as more like people like yourself start tra- slow traveling and actually using it as a as a base. So no, mm. I, I completely get it. I completely agree. So is there anything that you think people should know before they start remote working, slow traveling or anything that you wish you had known maybe before you took the first step apart from would have loved to have known about the pandemic? I think it's a bit different because I was just doing the volunteering thing and then I so I was able to focus on 
blogging and stuff without that pressure of necessarily needing to make money. It wasn't like, because obviously my living expenses were kind of covered doing those things. So I was able to just focus on it that way. I think a lot of people will just start traveling and they're not making as much money as they thought they would. And then they have to go home like sooner than they thought they would. So I think if you can, I do recommend volunteering. I know it's not for everyone. Aside from that, I think you also just have to be disciplined with yourself as well. Because for example, if I'm staying in hostels, especially like party hostels, backpacker hostels, I'm not going to wake up realistically at nine in the morning and start getting a full day of workings. And I think that a lot of people are like, oh, I can just travel and do all of this stuff and then still get all of the work done. And it, it doesn't happen. Like you have to treat it like a real job, which is a benefit of slow travel as well, because you can actually find a nice little cafe that you like to work in and you can get settled and you can do all of your stuff and then still go and explore the place. And you're not constantly having to source out new places all the time. So yeah, just treat it like, yeah, like a real job, like you would at home. Because it is, I guess. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. If you don't mind me asking, did you do a degree? Yeah. So, did you yes. use your degree now? No, I did. I did English literature with creative writing. So obviously I do, I do write, so I'm, yeah. But at the same time, has it really helped me? I don't know. I don't really use a lot of the things that they taught us and stuff. Uh, so I'm not sure that it helped me. Yeah, no, I'm the same. So I did a languages degree. And while everyone's right. like, oh, so you learned the language. I'm like, yeah, but it was a very expensive language, like course. <laughs> you know? yeah. But there are definitely elements from it that I took away from it somehow. But... I always find that interesting to because obviously especially with the internet nowadays there is so much that you can learn online for obviously yeah. way cheaper than when going yeah. to university was there anything did you do any courses at all before or, or like during the pandemic or like throughout your general slow travel journey yeah I've, I've done a couple of like SEO courses and stuff like that and just read a ton of the make traffic happen ebooks I got so I've read all yeah I know they're amazing so yeah, I've done a few different courses like that. I also did the travel blog Prosperity by Jesse Fester. I was, well, it's like a membership program. So I was a member of that for a couple of months. So yeah, I feel like those things have definitely, definitely helped me. But obviously it's quite difficult to know which, there's so many out there, aren't there? So it's difficult to know which ones are the best ones. So I tend to buy the courses of people who I already read their blog or maybe I've met them in person and I know that they're actually successful. I know what they're talking about as opposed to, like random people who are selling these things online so yeah definitely course yourself yeah and that makes total sense when you're creating your content especially yeah, obviously like as you said you didn't start doing anti-MLM content mm. is it do you kind of find your creative process comes from the questions you're asking or is that what's your general process oh I don't, that's a really good question I don't know I think with travel I try and write about like I'll go to a place and I try and hone in on the the food and kind of day trips from that place that people might not necessarily know about. So I try and find things to write about that are not just like top 10 things to do in this city. Like there's nothing wrong with that, but I personally find them quite difficult to write. I, I don't really enjoy writing those articles. And then with, with the MLM stuff, yeah, I guess I'm writing them for people who know nothing about this industry so I'm kind of thinking right what questions do they have and they might be asking is this company a pyramid scheme can I make money with this company is it worth joining this company and paying the sign-up fee so I'm kind of thinking what questions they would have as someone that knows nothing about the industry I don't know if I answered that properly I think everybody's process is different I think just 
And I think, of, like, no offence to people who write the top 10 things to do, but I feel like, and for me personally, that's sort of been there, done that. And mm. I feel and like, if they're up, great. And if you're, like you said, starting out, great. But I'm just very curious to kind of know people's general process now, because, of course, mm. yeah, like, as you said, I mean, anti-MLM, that's, I feel like that's such a, like, not everyone writes about that kind of thing. So therefore, I'm kind of now more curious because of where I'm at personally in my, like, travel industry content journey. Yeah. And especially with something like slow travel, which is not as, like, say, normal. I'm just very generally curious to find out what people do. And I suppose for somebody who is starting their own content, like, site now, I think that is a good thing to think about now. It's Because it, it's, yeah. you've got to kind of get past everything that's now been built up on the internet over the last few years I think as well with travel like what I've learned over the last few years is writing more articles about one place like first of all it's good for SEO because it's that topical authority but also it's it's good for the reader obviously so if you're in Valencia for example I would write about the things to do the best places to eat the best places to get tapas the best day trips as opposed to just writing one and then because what I used to do when I started out because I was traveling to lots of different places. So I would just write a guide to each place, which I, you know, I spent like two, three days there. I wasn't really in a position to be writing a guide to that place, but I did. And then those articles never ranked, obviously, because they just weren't that good because I didn't really know what I was talking about. So I think that, yeah, the more articles that you can write about one particular place, it's it's better for you. And then it's also better for the reader and then it's better for your traffic and yeah, so if someone is starting a travel site, I would definitely recommend that, I think, just for less places but more content. Okay, so obviously you've been to a couple of destinations as well on your slow travel journey. What would your top three be for people? Poland. I think Poland is amazing. I spent quite a lot of time there. Krakow, obviously, is a magical, magical city. But Poland in general, there are so many places that people just have never heard of and it's super easy to travel there the infrastructure is amazing it's cheap the food's good the people are nice it's beautiful yeah cannot recommend poland enough um i love you said that because i did krakow three years ago now and i did a whole uh, post on it because i was like wow you would never know this so i'm so glad yeah. you said that like, oh, too. <laughs> now it's magical isn't it as soon as i got there it's just like oh my god this place is amazing and yeah you can set up um, your laptop it's yeah it's super easy to do yeah. plus the skiing but yeah yeah. <laughs> I'm not a winter sports person, so it's not for me. But yes, you can. if you want to get a bit more off the beaten path, I loved Albania. I really, really fell in love with Albania. It's it's my favourite country in the world. It's amazing. The people are just incredible. Like you can't walk down the street without somebody, especially in the smaller villages, you cannot go anywhere without somebody like asking where you're from, if you need any help, if you need directions if you want to come and meet their grandma and like drink some coffee with them like it's incredible yeah and the landscape's amazing as well there are gorgeous beaches mountains lakes it's phenomenal it's not the best place to work remotely I think it's not the infrastructure's terrible and it's just yeah it's still developing definitely but it's an amazing country and I've got to say Valencia and that's boring because we've been talking about it all the time but yeah I think Valencia's amazing I think it's really cool city yeah so, and yeah. yeah we've already covered a bunch of points on that already but yeah i love those ideas i think isn't albania also it's not part of the schengen area yeah that's right so even if yeah. you want to like spend a couple of weeks between uh, maybe going to somewhere to know kind of over that way 
mm. then you're still kind of got options. That's very yeah. interesting. I like those. That's I like that because it's different. Again, going for the ones that are not. Well, we'll see where they're at in a few years. We'll see. Cool. Okay. What is one piece of advice you would give for finding remote work? I was thinking about this. Um, I feel, I really do have imposter syndrome. I feel like I'm the worst person to give all of this advice. Um, But what I would say is that when I do uh, freelance work and stuff, I'm on all of the websites like Fiverr, Upwork, Freelancer, all of that. And I don't know how much luck other people have. I personally have found work with those sites, but I find it quite difficult, especially to get well-paid work. So what I would tell people is don't neglect social media. Like, for example, for me, Twitter is... I've had people that I don't know just reach out to me on Twitter because they've seen my content, they like it, and they've asked, do I want to, you know, would I post an article on my website for them or do I want to write something for them um, on their website? And I think really, I know that a lot of Pinterest kind of virtual assistants find their clients on Facebook. And again, on Twitter, I see a lot of SEOs and people that buy and sell websites doing all of their business on Twitter. And they often talk about how they don't do any of it on these sites that are made specifically for that. So yeah, I think what I would say is kind of figure out where your clients are and then really make yourself known on that particular social media platform because it might not be Twitter it might be Facebook it could be Instagram I know Instagram's obviously great for people that are more into the influencer side of things so yeah that's what I would say I think you know like that age-old thing it's not what you know it's who you know and I think if you do make connections with people that are in your field and passionate then even if they don't need any work doing they're going to still recommend you to other people if they come across opportunities that would suit you so okay how do you build your relationships or is there anything specifically that you do to maintain your relationships with clients people online just interacting again so I think a lot of people on Twitter specifically a lot of people make that mistake of literally just tweeting into the abyss and then not interacting with anyone else and I find that people are so friendly on Twitter like all you have to do is reply to someone's tweet and not forced I mean I'll only reply to something if it's genuinely interesting And then people are just so eager to just like follow you back and interact with you and be like friends with you and stuff. And I just think it's, it's just nice. I don't know. I just, I just make a point of interacting if they post something that resonates with me or whatever, rather than just tweeting out my own things all the time and just hoping that someone (laughs) responds. And one final question just for the audio here. How do you keep up your general momentum and kind of morale? from day to day I feel like I get burnout quite easily because I work every day I think I don't know if you're the same because I enjoy what I do so much that's also how I relax it's not just how I make money it's what I like to do so I'm constantly um, doing something but I feel like what helps me is that if I'm not kind of in a mood to be writing if I don't feel particularly creative or whatever then I'll just do something else like I might do keyword research or I might do some Pinterest or just mess with the site in some way or emails or whatever just I try not to force myself to write content if it if it's not coming I'll just try and do something else no I'm similar sometimes I'll uh, yeah I think especially if you kind of have grown up with social media yeah sometimes it is just a case of like you already enjoy being on the space so therefore you spend some time on the space um I know for me personally 
I've definitely enjoyed having an accountability partner for the last like okay. year and a bit from that kind of I've never done that how how is it yeah it's, yeah honestly well so shouting out to Tara who was in series one <laughs> as well we've really enjoyed it because it's then kept us kind of accountable for kind of our bigger goals and things like that and it's just nice having kind of being in contact with someone specifically who is kind of on that same sort of journey and whatnot and I personally really enjoyed it because I know I need someone who is just gonna like listen but also tell me at the same time like come on like you know that you're like bsing yourself right now like just get on with it but no I think that that helps for me definitely from yeah for just from keeping myself kind of accountable and like stopping mm-hmm. me you know when like you're trying to work on a goal and your brain is kind of like no, we're fine. Like, let's procrastinate, and you're kind of just yeah. need someone to be like a mirror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, makes total sense. <laughs> but you know, Danny, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for being on the remote life. Um, Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> super fun thank you so much for listening to this episode of the remote life and thank you danny for your awesome insights you can find links to her website and socials below tag danny at jezebel travels and myself han at ham meets well and let us know your dream job you can also find the podcast on instagram at the remote life podcast thank you so much again for listening and we can't wait to remote work with you again soon